I'm just thinking of those folks that just obsess about bird hunting every second that they're not bird hunting and, and love it every moment that they are. It shines through. It's obvious, you know, and, and, and so that's, there's a certain intangible quality that exists in those type of people. And it doesn't have to be the most beautiful bird work in the world, but somebody that loves their dog and their dog loves them. And they they've got a, you know, that tight bond, if you will, and, a, and that relationship kind of takes center stage. That to me is the most special part of this. The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons, and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of GDIY presented by Standing Stone Supply. I am sitting here in person this time with my buddy Grayson Geyer of Lost Highway Kennels. Grayson, thanks for having me over for a little bit. Yeah, man. It's been a while since we've actually done one of these sitting face to face, I think. Yeah, it has. And, you know, I come through and do like a North Carolina swing every few months, check on some buddies and, and you know, do odd and end stuff for, for, you know, whatever they need around their place. And so uh, when I was coming through this time, I know that you have some cool, a cool event called the St. Hubert's Trial that you guys are going to be doing. Uh, I think it's in February. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain on what that is and, and how it differentiates from other trial systems. But you can't miss the opportunity to do these things in person when you have the opportunity. So, you know, fortunately the schedules align this time and we're able to make it happen. Yeah. It's always, you know, it's interesting. Every time you drop by, we always have a a focused agenda item, but then we end up talking for three hours. (laughs) (laughs) It's just losing track of what we're doing and we never even get it on podcast. I was about to say, and then very often don't even touch on the thing that like we were supposed to talk about when we (laughs) get here. Yeah. So I appreciate you leading with the St. Hubert thing because I could have (laughs) probably... going on for an hour or two without ever touching on it yeah oh well i mean we have we have a lot to break down on the saint hubert's trial so let's get the business out of the way and then let's circle back to to the fun stuff that we you know we're two dog nerds talking about just dog training and and living with dogs in general before we hopped on here but let's go ahead and touch on the saint hubert's trial because that that is kind of what brought us together as we already alluded to but this is uh you you've explained this to me a few different ways and a few different times and while i kind of understand the main gist of it there there's some details into this as to let's just start with what is the saint hubert's trial where where does it hail from so to speak the the history of the saint hubert's trial is really best documented um at the scc website uh which is um the Central Canine Society in France. And so uh, as far as I'm concerned, and as as far as what I've been able to find anyway, it's been about a 
uh, a little better than 40-year, maybe 45-year history in France of this type of field trial that was created for hunters. Um, and I think it was in response to, you know, what we see over here oftentimes where we have guys that are enjoy bird hunting. They would like to play with their dogs, but maybe they're a little turned off by the uh, the politics and um, and the competitive nature of the field trial games. And, uh, and we tend to have a little more diversity of options in the States in terms of what you can play with your dogs. But uh, in France, this is really uh, the, probably the most popular game over there, at least outside of field trialing. But I would, you know, if you look at just YouTube videos and things like that, when you see a St. Hubert's trial over there, it gets a, it gets a pretty, draws a pretty big audience and always seems to have a bunch of competitors. But the, the general idea is, as opposed to testing dogs for genetic selection, it's a, it's kind of a competition for hunters and dogs to go out uh, and in the uh, spirit of sportsmanship and fellowship and conservation, um, you know, put their uh, skills on display um, uh, as a team. And so that, you know, I think if you had to, to just distill it down, you would say um, that it's a, a test or a competition to dictate maybe who the most harmonious dog handler team would be uh, in, in amongst the group. So just going out, having a great day of field with your dog, you got a judge and a uh, they call it a jury over there, but um, that just folks that are kind of watching what you're doing, making sure you're uh, being a good sportsman, making sure you're safe uh, and fair to your dog, making sure you know how to hunt and approach the course. You know your firearm safety is first and foremost, and then and then beyond that, it's hey, how well does your dog respond? How efficient and effective are you as a hunting team? And they do have two classes: uh, a trialer's class and a hunter's class. And the hunters class, this, there's not really any steadiness requirements. It's it, you just still have to be able to to accomplish the objective, which is go out, find birds, and put them in the bag. Um, and then the trialers class, they're they're taking the higher polished dogs. And so this act, they actually do it. They they break it down over there in spaniel and pointing dogs, um, but uh, they don't have any restrictions on breed or registration so you don't have to show up with you can show up with any breed you want but they call it spaniel what essentially what they're talking about is a flushing dog so the ones we run in the states here you know in our flushing class we tend to lean a little heavier toward the retriever breeds and you know hopefully we'll see more of the spaniels we did have a few cockers last year um but i would love to see the spaniel contingent and a couple of boykins as well uh kind of make a bigger showing so there's a there's a number of things to unpack there and one thing that i found really interesting is as you kind of started off this was kind of born out of people that were kind of looking for another uh avenue or channel so to speak with uh maybe they aren't comfortable in the typical type of american hunt tests or trial systems based on the competition level but then you know the St. Hubert's trial, you're still competing. So is it truly that the more emphasis or impact that the companionship or the, the teamwork, does that kind of just supersede the competitive style of it, I guess? Yeah, I would say, I mean, there, if you, you know, and if you go to the website and you look at the history of the game and I'll try to find that. So we've got, you know, uh, I can actually give you the verbiage from, from the people that created the sport in the first place. But the idea is really the, um, it's the relationship between dog and handler. That's where the major emphasis is. But um, you know, it's it's a. I think it was probably a practical assessment of you know over there in in the continent. 
there tend to be these federations that are uh, somehow light, loosely connected to the state that help people become certified hunters. So we know that the Germans are big on that and the French have some of that. And so in order to, to be a hunter over there, you might not unite the requirements for a hunting license. For us, you know, we may have a hunter's education course or something like that. It's it's similar, but this is kind of almost a, a next step in certification, I think. And then it kind of grew into a sport from there. Um, but, but the real idea, you know, sportsmanship, fellowship forward. And so it's, you know, it, it I think it's really frowned upon to get into, to take the com- the competitive nature of the game uh, too far in any regard. You know, it's go show up, have fun. Definitely you want to win, especially in the trials class. Everybody wants to win and it's, and they feel good about it. But I think um, losing, it wouldn't, it, you, you wouldn't uh, be the most popular guy there if you took it really hard and made a, <laughs> made a stink of it. <laughs> well, and I mean, that is a, that is an important uh, note there or distinction is, for better or worse, I mean, people can sit here and, and say whatever organization or trial system or testing system they're a part of, we've all seen people go too far with it, whether they mean to or not, whether that's like the initiative or, or uh, what brought them to it in the first place. We all have seen to where like through certain people's uh, competitive ambition, if you will, for better or worse, it does kind of become a, a contest and you kind of lose sight of the purpose of it, which is either, you know, A, to just have fun or B, develop better dogs or hunting dogs in general. And so, you know, again, this is not picking on any one organization or type of test, but it is just kind of the nature of the beast. And that's more human nature than anything. Not It's no fault of the actual organization by any means. Sure. And I think if you put it like into the mission of the game, that this is this is fellowship forward, not competition forward, you know, and I think it helps people just come in with that mentality. And then, of course, it's up to the um, to the administrators and the and the, the club hosting it or the organization that's involved to make sure that that we're putting the emphasis on the correct things that, you know, it's it's more important that we're out here having a good time, that we are concerned with conservation. We're get, from a political perspective, if we're concerned with anything, it's protecting um, the game we love and our right to pursue it and to, our right as dog lovers to pursue it with our dogs. And that, and that's that's why we're all meeting here in the first place. Everything else is kind of an accessory to that. And, and I like that sentiment. It's, it's the full picture. You're not losing sight of why we're doing this, but it incorporates everything that we should care about as hunter and sportsman to where the conservation, the, the political side is what it is, but, you know, it's still shining a light on it. But at the end of the day, it's not everybody, you know, all kumbaya that you, you know, it's not everybody goes home with a trophy because you do, there is a winner, right? And so while there is a little bit of competition built into it, it still is driven out of the fellowship, as you call it, the the common denominator of the hunting dog and hunter relationship as a whole. Yeah, and we have a lot more in common, you know, than than we do the, the we don't want to highlight our differences, I guess, you know, and and it's not just there to set ourselves apart. And it's not you know, it's not. We're not there to say, "Hey, this is the best dog of the day." And and we may find that out, uh, and we may see a dog there that we go, "Hey, man, we gotta we gotta keep that dog in the gene pool." But that's not why we're there. And so, you know, hopefully, the kind of the financial incentives of the breeders or the pros and things like that wouldn't wouldn't shine through the way they tend to in the field trial games. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that. We need that, you know, in order to keep our 
um, you know, our breeding programs producing the, the highest caliber dogs available, but this is not about that. Exactly. I mean, how, how much of the blood that we use today was born out of the spirit of competition and, and that's not just relegated to the dog world, but you know, a whole lot of things in life is, is born out of that competitive drive. So it is a good thing to have, but there are certain things and qualities that can be lost through the competitive nature. And one thing that is interesting, or at least interests me in this is you, you said that there is a trialers section and then there's a hunter section. So Maybe those people that have always wanted to kind of enjoy the trial or testing kind of program or, or environment, but they never really wanted to put themselves out there to do it because of fear that their dogs weren't good enough. Like you said, if, if you're up to that, you know, really dressed up style of dogs, you can go do the trialer section. But if you just want to go hunt with your dog and you just have a quote unquote meat dog, I know that that negative connotation for some people, but if you just have that meat dog and you want to go have fun and compete anyway, you can still do that. And you're not going to be outshined just because somebody, you know, spent all summer, you know, fully breaking their dog, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so like last year we didn't, this thing has kind of grown organically for us. And I've, I've had a played a role in organizing it with all, always with the objective of getting myself out of it because I want to play the game. <laughs> right. Right. And so I don't want to be connected to the leadership in any way. I just want it to be available because I think it's a lot of fun and I want to, to expose people to it and, and to have it, uh, um, make it accessible to everybody. Um, but last year I, I kind of sat it out and I judged and we only had our one class and we had 12 dogs and the dog that won, um, was I mean was a very nice dog, but it was not the most broke dog there, uh, you know. And so it, we kind of threw everybody into the hunters class. The dog that took reserve last year was an extremely polished dog, um, and so you know. But it, it in terms of watching that, just being a judge and knowing that hey, the spirit of the game comes first, and I'm looking for the best relationship and the most efficient and effective hunter team out here, and having the most fun. Um, approaching the course in a way that makes sense that's not just about speed or you know efficiency or or even flashiness um it, you know when i got to look at that at the end of the day it was easy to pick uh it was ruby thews avishla uh and trey wright won last year and it was it was pretty pretty fun to watch pretty awesome to your knowledge prior to you putting one on last year has anybody else really tried to put on this style of event in the in the states I think there have been similar things. You know, I got I got the idea. I heard about it because I'm, you know, I've been around the French Brittany community for so long, and there's a lot of because our roots are so firmly pr planted in France and the continent, um, and and our field trial program that is overseen by the UKC is, uh, you know, is a direct ripoff essentially of the FCI's program, um, and and we bring a lot of judges over from the continent. Um, but I, there's a, there's one, um, within a small French Brittany, it's not, it's a big French Brittany club, but it's a small club compared to most other things. But the Georgia club has what they call the president's cup. And it's, you can tell it's kind of loosely based on, on the St. Hubert's cup. And, uh, and I was at a field trial, I think it's been three years back now, but in Georgia, we actually had a trial on wild woodcock and our judge was from Denmark 
And he was, I believe, a two-time World St. Hubert champion with his dog that was also a field trial um, major player in, in the on the continent as well. And uh, that was, let me see if I can get it right, Paul Nielsen from Denmark. And and uh, I believe the, the dog's name was Nat. It's pretty famous, French Brittany. But it, just getting the opportunity to pick his brain, listen to him talk about it. And that's his favorite game. So he plays the trials. He loves the trials, but he really gets pumped up for the St. Hubert game every year. And um, and I could see why, because he's a hunter, you know, and, and that the whole idea is to go out there and to hunt and do it as in the most realis- realistic way we possibly can. All, all I know is I'm just jealous of your recall of names, especially uh, people's dogs' names. I can't remember who I met yesterday, yesterday let alone like the, the guy who won whatever trial last year with their dog's <laughs> name. It's impressive. I can't do that. So. You sit through it now. Well, now you say it, I'm, I'm actually worried that I got it wrong. It, it was either <laughs> Landon Poplin and uh, Harker both made a good show, and now I can't remember which one was first and second. But either way, those two dogs. See, I thought Landon, you had told me, was the one that won it last year. Well, now that I go back, so I need to make a public apology to Landon <laughs> on here, probably. But but both Trey and Ruby and Landon and Harker's runs were were. I mean, it was so hard to pick between the two of them, and now I truly can't recall which one was the champion I'm, and which one. I'm was pretty the sure it was Landon because I just did an episode with him, Small World, yeah. because yeah. he runs HRC with his wire hairs, yep. and yep. I, and I really like that concept that he's doing a retriever game with with quote-unquote versatile dogs and so that that was a neat element and 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 he and harker are yeah i mean you they are a hard team to beat and and trey and ruby for the same for similar reasons trey and ruby don't compete they don't play other games he guides with her probably 120 days a year you know and and so they have a very special bond but the the amount of time and effort that landon uh, and Harker spend together is very obvious as well. So it's really neat that you can have, you can see the the contrast between people that have the polish that play the games, but it doesn't diminish how special it is to see somebody that just hunts every day with their dog. And you get that opportunity to go out there and and uh, and see all that. Well, and I, I've re- I don't catch a whole lot of flack from many listeners on this podcast. Fortunately, they kind of understand what I'm after. I come at it from all different angles. Like if I didn't hit on what you want to hear today, wait until next week, you'll hear it from a different angle, right? That's kind of how I play it. But here in re- recent times, I, I have kind of caught a flack, uh, for, caught some flack from some people when I talk about how I've had the privilege of hunting with numerous champions from the field trial world and hunt testing world that I personally wouldn't want in my own truck. Meanwhile, you go and you hunt with a quote unquote meat dog and just a foot hunter. And that, that relationship is just, that's what I want with my dogs. And conversely, like I, you know, you see, you see it from all angles. And the, the main point I'm getting at is you don't, you don't have to go do, you know, X, Y, and Z for you to be, to have the, the the best dog in the field that day right like it is a good starting point it is proving grounds like there is a place to prove this stuff but the fact that you can have hunters come out and do the saint hubert's trial and to your point just because of the working relationship that they have with their dog at the end of the day can can win out on this it just goes to show that like yeah you can have the most polished dog but that doesn't mean that you have the best relationship with your dog and i'll tell you i mean as as somebody that you know i am not nearly the hunter that I am trialer. I enjoy the games a lot and I wish I had more time to hunt, yeah. but I often 
choose a weekend and going to take a field trial over a weekend where I could go spend hunting anywhere else in the country. And, and, um, you know, I'm a dog trainer first and I, I love hunting. It's, it's in my blood, but I, I can say unequivocally that there are, you know, from, I mean, if you just look at it from a numbers perspective, some of the best dogs and handlers out there will never, ever step on a trial field or a testing field. And many of the greatest dogs that have ever lived have never had a title by their name. Um, and, and having a high level title doesn't automatically make you a great hunting dog. Now, that being said, a high level title in pretty much any game will ensure you have something that is capable of becoming a great hunting dog. Um, but the stories, you know, I mean, I've heard it many a time that I, I went out, yeah, I went hunting with this, you know, super trial champ, master hunter, whatever, and, uh, it did not do a great job. You hear it and, and it's not always surprising. You don't know exactly what the reason for that may be, but if somebody experienced that, I'm not going to diminish that experience by telling them they're a liar. But I can tell you this too, like you can go out, I've been with plenty of guides that never force fetch their lab have never run a hunt test in their life and that dog can go out and pick up birds as good as any dog on the planet and some guys just have that bond with their dogs and, and i equate it to just us you know i know this is dangerous murky waters when you start comparing dogs to to humans but i put it in this way it's just like we understand that the that the ribbons and championships it, it's a great resume builder it's a great starting point especially when you start talking about building your breeding programs and and your stables so to speak but it's kind of like with us, how many time, how many people have we met with these high-level college degrees that you talk to and you're just like, bro, there's not a whole lot going on behind, you know, in that head of yours, but they know how to study a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> I've, I had had the, the opportunity and a good opportunity to work with, um, you know, PhD students from Duke and other, you know, prestigious universities in behaviorism departments and training dogs. And, um, you know, in terms of theory, they had everything locked up as tight as it could possibly be, but, you know, mechanical skills matter. And there's only one real way to develop mechanical skills and that's to put time and effort in, in, over a long course of time into doing something, you know? And so when you, when you watched that PhD candidate next to a good old boy that had been training <laughs> dogs his whole life, one of them was going to get a dog trained really quick and the other one wasn't. And, it, you know, I think people hear this and, and they misconstrue a little bit of what we're trying to say is like the accomplishment is still an accomplishment. I'm not taking anything away from anybody that's put any kind of ribbon or championship on their dog. They spent the time, they spent the effort, they, you know, spent the money, they got it done. But if if you're trying to make the claim that like just because you got the ribbon that you have, you know, the best dog that, you know, it, we're prone to hear sometimes, it's just not, it's just not the full picture, I, it, at least in my eyes, that's not how I look at things, but that might just be me. Well, and it's tough. I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how, you know, I mean, we obviously have, especially in the pointing dog world trials, that they're as close as you can possibly get to a day of field. And I'm talking wild bird trials out in the prairie. I mean, th you're going to find those dogs can hunt. That dog that wins that trial may not go out and have as good a day in the on the same grounds as the farmer up there that hunts that ground every day of his life with that one dog that's hunted that ground every day of its life. That doesn't that doesn't diminish that you know that um, accomplishment in any way, and it doesn't make that dog. You know, I'm I'm still probably more inclined to breed to that dog that won that trial than I would be to that farmer's dog, you know. But that that uh, you know it's just what it is, and yeah, I mean I think. You know, I, I love to field trial and I see the value in it. And, but it, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean you got the best hunting dog on any given day of the week.
And we've all seen, you know, our dogs are always great today. And then tomorrow when people are watching, they, they've never done that before. Oh, so, yeah, you know, every dog has its day. It's literally the saying, right? <laughs> but Yeah, you want to see my dogs blow up, man. Put a camera <laughs> right. on them. <laughs> it know? never fails. They know when that red light's on. Let's talk about the actual trial, though. Like, what's the setup? You said that there's there's a jury, the the judges. How many judges are we talking about? What what are the events like looking like? If we go sign up for this event or this trial, what are we getting ourselves into throughout the day? I don't know that we're following exactly the FCI regulations. We're looking at it and trying to make it as practical as possible for us. We will have four divisions. We'll have. Uh, a flushing class, a pointing class, a trialer's class for both, and a, f- a hunter's class for both. So that'll be four fields. We'll have flushing dogs on two courses, hunters and trialers. We'll have pointing dogs on two courses, um, hunters and trialers. There'll be one head judge for each one, and then we'll give that each judge will hopefully have a steward uh, or a secretary of some sort. Um, there'll be questions asked, so you're gonna you'll be asked some general hunting questions like so maybe regulatory in nature or things like that what's your limit on this specific species what species can you hunt okay so you're you're getting grilled in terms of a hunter like you said hunter education almost built into the throughout the day i guess there's a there's a part of that and and so you know each thing is weighted in such a way that it's not going to kill you if you don't get it right (laughs) you know and like you don't need to study for this thing and we may we we're probably gonna make the list of questions available to people if they want to go through it before they come down to the study guide but they're they're very general like i mean you know the things that if you're going to go afield with your dog and a shotgun you should know it we're not gonna we're not gonna try to trick you you know (laughs) and then we'll have a couple of dogs related questions and some of them may be somewhat even you know open-ended and slightly uh, subjective and you know it's mostly to see hey are you confident do you understand what you're doing out here do you understand you know uh, the health and well-being of your dog do you know and then i and then me as a judge personally just and mostly because i'm interested i'm kind of chatting you up as much as you're willing to through the course, you know, and, and finding out about your history and your dog's history. And, um, you know, and you, it's not, you're not being tested on any of that stuff, but I want you to, to have fun and be confident. And that's a part of it. So I'm watching that. And I'm, for me personally, I think it's important that we, you know, we have a grid that says, Hey, this many points for this, this many points for that. But the number we put down there is subjective and we get to pick it. We're not held to any specific standard. And so, you know, what I want to see is somebody's happy and I want to see a dog that is relatively happy, you know, speaking of dogs and that they're enjoying their day out there. And that, um, if you go out and you do that and you get opportunities at your game and you don't kill anything, but you've had a good day, you can pass and you can show off and you can have a practical hunting dog and, and get a, get a certificate at the end of the day that says you did well. And that's making 60%. Uh, and, and, and I can go through the grid here and explain that to everybody. It'd probably be better just to put it in the show notes as, as it's relatively complex. Um, but you, you know, you are given, uh, I want to say six shells and you'll have a, be able to bag a maximum of two birds. And, and so your skill on the gun is going to play a role to some extent. Um, there's very low scores associated with actually hitting your dogs and turning a number of shells you get to uh, to keep that number of points, but they're they're inconsequential. But where the consequence is going to come in is, hey, can your dog make a retrieve if you don't kill a bird? 
Um, if I don't have the opportunity to judge or retrieve, I can't score those, you know, and so, and things like that. And so you go out and you kill your two birds and your dog does beautifully clean work. Odds are you're going to have a little higher score than the next guy. Um, uh, but you know, if you go out there and you whiff on both and your dog's having a good time and otherwise not just running off, making a complete fool of himself and you, which is possible. And it could be possible for me with given, depending on the dog I'm running that day. You know, um, you know, you may not, but last year, every, I think we had all passes except one and it was just, and it got a little hot at the end of the day and, you know, and it didn't work out in that person's favor, but it didn't, that's okay. You know, so. Knock on wood, we don't have the the heat issue on on this year being in February. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really happy about February. I think this this specific trial, and I'm happy with it. If it's only ever one a year, that's great. If we have a few more added, that'd be cool too. But if, if you know. I, I like it being in the meat of the hunting season. I want it to feel like we're bird hunting in the hunting season, you know. Well, and and so you get the opportunity to to shoot two birds. These are planted birds too, right? Unfortunately, we just we're not in the region to where you could probably. It would, it would be, and I think the ethics would be very questionable yeah. if we were killing wild birds in the name of uh, of a field trial. Well, know? that's a good point. Even the wild bird trials, the cover dog trials are not they're not shooting the wild birds throughout the trial. They're just, you know, running dogs on them. So that that is a good point. You you talked about you kind of put this on as kind of in a way for selfish reasons, you just wanted to run it yourself, right? Like you judged the first one, but it was really really important you're hoping to try and find somebody else to kind of take the take the the flag bearer and and run with it and uh so that you can compete and so the, i think that's important to note to where you kicked it off last year you kind of got the concept going you you kind of introduced it for uh you know we're trying to make sense out of the trial right now for a lot of people last year people really didn't kind of know what it was and but with that being said this year you've been able to get a couple partners in line to kind of help run it and make it their own thing to where hopefully maybe it is kind of an annual thing in the future so who are we working with on the trial this year to put it on yeah we've got two uh nonprofit organizations that have partnered with us and they're both perfect fits for the role um and so three rivers land trust uh which is a local conservation organization they um operate and it's in a growing region it started i think as a nine county area i think they're up to like 15 now but they most of their uh area of operation is along the yadkin river um, or the, and actually even outside of that region where it becomes the PD going into South Carolina and then kind of going into the Sand Hills now, uh, but they're they're going to host it. It's going to be on their grounds on land they control, um, which is a beautiful property. It's actually uh, the Point property. If you guys want to go visit their website, which is threeriverslandtrust.org, um, and check out their Sportsman's Access program. So they they have a really neat program for folks that are local to my region. And that they have kind of a lottery draw block land management type system where they they break everything up into 200 acre blocks and you get to draw for the opportunity to hunt that area and you get it for a week. So you get the, the Sunday beginning your week, you get a scouting day to go in and then you get access to go hunt that block for whatever game you want, whatever's in season um, uh, for the course of that week. And I think it's it's wonderful and it and the cool thing about it too is like you know it, at least at this point in time your odds of drawing are really high and it's very affordable and so it's kind of like you know access to to private land is so hard and so expensive um, that they've created this option for kind of your your every guy like us to go out there and and have an opportunity to hunt 
pretty pretty special private land. Um, and this one in particular is great. It actually does have a wild bird population, game bird population, which is why we're using chucker. Um, so we're not out there using quail because there's some quail on the property. There's some woodcock on the property. And we, you know, one day a scalding those birds will be fine, you know. Um, uh, and, and uh, you know, as long as we're not busting them up and killing them or anything like that. So, but it's beautiful. It's on the, it's on the banks of the Yadkin, north of Salisbury, south of Moxville, North Carolina. And, uh, and they're also handling the registration. And so with your registration, you'll actually get a membership to Three Rivers, uh, Three Rivers Land Trust. And then our other conservation partner or our other partner is the Bird Dog Society. And uh, they're handling some of the administrative work as well. And, and they've been, they're huge, you know, so far, I think this is, they are the kind of perfect big tent organization for this game. And what I love about the Bird Dog Society is they're not like a breed club. They're not a, um, a field trial organization. They truly, in my opinion, exist for like the betterment of all of us that are out there hunting with our dogs. And, uh, and they're open to anyone with any type of dog that's wanting to go out and experience the the things that we do they're there for education they're there to make sure continued access is available to everybody and so they're just a natural fit and so so with your registration if you bring your dog and you and you trial or test or one of these days you'll get uh, a membership to both of those organizations and I'm, I'm really proud of that and they're they're taking you know all of the stuff that I hate and don't want to do and they're, and they're kind of taking that on their shoulders I'm, I'm, I'm helping recruit the judges and I'm out I think is, you know maybe answer a few more questions but that's it and I mean both organizations you know I, I'm vaguely familiar with Three Rivers Land Trust just because there's, there's not too many organizations east of the Mississippi especially in the southeast uh, that that is doing something to that scale and actually making headway is, is the important thing I mean I remember a few years ago when they first kind of popped up on my radar i'm like oh that's cool and then every time i kind of check in on them they're bigger and bigger and then anybody's listening to this for the first time they may not be familiar but you know i, I kind of partner with the bird dog society promoting their stuff uh on a monthly basis and providing updates because like you said it's they come at it from a different standpoint it's not just the conservation for the birds it's not just breed club it's not just trials or tests it's like it's all encompassing it's it's a lifestyle how do we better uh, the opportunities as for bird dogs and bird dog owners as a whole. And to your point, it's, it doesn't even have to be technically bird dogs. There's a lot of good information that they provide to just dog owners in general that uh, it, it all goes to a good part. And of course, you know, we're familiar and know a, a handful of the people that really kind of kick, kick-started it and got it going. And they're all great people and, and love dogs for the quote-unquote right reasons. Uh, and so anybody that's, you know, want to show support to those organizations or at least just, you know, come check out the trial, understand that like you're, you're not only just going to come do the trial for fun and, and have a good time with your bird dog, but it's going to go to a good cause as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I mean, both of them, they both provide, I think both of those organizations are filling gaps that exist in our world, you know, in three rivers in terms of access, there's nothing like it. Um, in, in the South, in the Southeast, as far as I'm concerned. And one thing I keep hoping is like people out there will hear it, recognize how valuable that sportsman's access program is. And they do much more than that, but that's the one that, that I've never seen anything like it. And if that model could be 
you know, perpetuated uh, and taken to other parts of the country, uh, you know, I, I think it would be wonderful for everybody. And and so, you know, that's that's a very important one. And then as far as the bird dog societies goes, they're just doing they're they're hitting everything, you know, and and in and in a good way. But I I think the most the most valuable thing is it feels like the barriers to entry when you're excited about getting your first bird dog and and getting into this stuff they feel so high and i don't think there's another group out there doing as good a job as kind of breaking those barriers down for folks out there and just saying yeah, yeah come, come here look it. at a I webinar mean, yeah that, that's what i was about to say go to their website their webinars on just like how to travel with your dog 101 and stuff like that like very basic stuff you know i get questions from a lot of people and a lot of new people on a regular basis and and they're addressing stuff that is constantly coming up from from new owners in a, in a different kind of format than what like myself or other podcasts or social media might do they really come at it from an educational here's you know uh, that like you said lowering the intimidation factor just kind of putting it in bite-sized chunks almost yeah, and they seem like they seem to really be doing a great job at like not being exclusive. Like, hey, this is not this is our way, and if you don't do it this way, you're wrong. You know, it just seems like they're pulling people from from everywhere, and and I really like that. I mean, I think one we we tend to be guilty of that as a culture, uh, like a, a you know our own little subculture of like kind of blocking people out and maybe not being as inviting as we think we are. And I think the Bird Dog Society is really kind of you know, doing a better job of that than anybody I've seen. Well, you get involved with certain organizations and nonprofits. It's almost like they, they stay within their lane and they put blinders on everything outside their lane. And that's why I like the bird dog side is, you know, to my previous point, they just kind of hit the lifestyle as a whole and, and come at it from anything that would pertain to bird dogs in general. That's why I enjoy kind of partnering with them and, and promoting them. So when when is this trial? I don't even think we said it. We said February, but w- when is it and how much is it? Where do they even? You said that Three Rivers Land Trust is where you go to sign up. Yeah, so it is February third and fourth. Um, I guess the the closest city would be Salisbury, North Carolina, and uh, and the registration I believe is one hundred and ten. Let me just check on that real quick. Yep, so it's one hundred and ten, uh, and and there'll be two days of trialing. So those will be separate. Separate days. So if you wanted to trial both days, it would be two twenty. Um, it's you know it's not the cheapest event to attend with your dog. I got I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of perks that go along with it. Uh, you know, right now we got because we've got Three Rivers and Bird Dog Society involved, they've got a reach that goes beyond themselves as well. So we're kind of recruiting sponsors. We're going to have a banquet Saturday night um, at New Serum Brewing in Salisbury, North Carolina. Plenty of hotels close. Um, I think, you know, I think there's plenty of value if you look outside of just coming and that run you're going to have with your dog uh, to that registration fee, not only a membership to both of those organizations, but it'll cover the cost of the birds and it'll make sure they continue to go. But 100% of proceeds beyond the cost of the trial will be going to Bird Dog Society and Three Rivers. And each day of trial, that's that's just your one run for essentially up for your two birds that we talked about earlier. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we ought to have more birds on the course than yeah. than two per. But yeah, I mean, that's that's it. So you know, you get your run one run, which is in theory twenty minutes. You know, we're going to keep you down as long as we need to see you as judges. Um, you know, but you'll get at least an opportunity for twenty minutes on the course with your dog to show off and have fun and. Um, you know, and I, I've, I'm toying with the idea of trying to talk some folks into maybe some side 
stuff, you know, like a little <laughs> yeah. retrieve competition over here and maybe some water work involved. Uh, Will Newell, who is, is kind of the uh, point of contact on the Three Rivers side, has got some ideas for maybe a little Calcutta or something like that. So fun stuff, you know, and they got the right kind of people involved for that. So, um, you know, look forward to that kind of stuff. And we'll try to, what I'll do is they've got a landing site on Three Rivers and I'll try to, to maybe have a, a landing site of my own somewhere that we can discuss those kind of things maybe we'll make a little facebook group or something and, and I, I really like the thought of this type of event because it's it's kind of like there's so much context that's lacking when somebody starts talking about you know my dog does this better than your dog or my dog's better at this and it's like well in what game and what trial and what there, there's there's a little bit of i appreciate the not the vagueness because it's it's not really vague you, it's like you said it's it's subjective but it's just like well, if you think that you and your dog really have a good thing going, just come down here and, and let's do it. And you don't really understand fully or completely what the judges are looking for, but it might be a good like testing or even just feedback loop for you to just come out, have fun, and see where you stack up with comparative to other people. That It, it truly is based on how you function with your dog in the field. Well, and, and, you know, there is a grid, there's a, there's a score sheet. And so that's objective and uh, objective, and you can go online and find that and, and see what, you know, what the requirements are your base level requirements and what the judges are looking for. What I can tell you is as being somebody that's involved in the judges recruitment, what I'm looking for in a judge is if you're going to be judging the trial or stake, you know what clean broke dog work looks like, whether you're the flushing dog judge or the, um, or the pointing dog judge. Uh, it, it, but you're also not going to be restrictive and confining, you know, and, and I want the hunters class trial guys to be hunters and I kind of looking for gritty old school types. That, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I've, I know, I know who we've got judging the flushing, uh, hunters class and I'm really excited for him. Um, and then I, you know, I've got several in mind for the pointing hunters class, but I'm really more, almost more excited for the hunters class. I kind of get like that. I feel like it's that we, we as more blue collar on well, we, you know, as trialers, <laughs> we roll in and we do our thing and we know, you know, most of us know each other to some degree or we know people like us. And, you know, if we're serious about the game and we've been playing that, those kind of games a long time, it's, there's not a lot of surprises to us. The hunters class. Like it's, it's truly in the spirit of being a hunter. You know, you need to, you need to hit your baselines of being a good ethical hunter. Um, beyond that, go have fun with your dog. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the most fun run that, that is relatively clean. And when, when y'all did the initial event last year, what was the response coming off the field from the people that, that just went and tried to have fun where were they coming off like fired up excited over it you know what what was it like just seeing it kind of transpire last year after just taking a leap and, and trying something new it was i mean and I, I say this in all sincerity i think it was the most fun trial i've ever been to you know i mean i think people we were so upfront that that's what we were there for and that you know it's great to get your accolades at the end of the day if you win something but everybody there could feel like they had a sense of accomplishment you know and and you came and a lot of guys, I mean we really drew a lot of folks that have never considered trialing kind of maybe were turned off by it but decided to give this a shot and they had fun we ate together we had fun everybody laughed and chuckled and we just had a big day and i and i and not to say that you can't find that at any other field trial you right. can but this one this was the objective and and I, I, that's the same thing for this year as well. 
It goes back to that word you used earlier, fellowship. You know, uh, I think fellowship is one of those words that, depending on who uses it and how, it, it can take on a couple different, you know, variations or flavors. But when you kind of break it down to what the actual word is, and and it's just people enjoying time with each other and their dogs, and and what it is that us we're all supposed to care about. Like you said, you know, if you're going out for a day of field with your dogs, there's some information and knowledge that you should have, you should know or be aware of. But at the end of the day, it still all comes back to having fun with your dog and chasing birds and and just keeping the important stuff out front. That's right. And remembering we're all on the same team. Like, I think it's so, you know, when you get into dogs and you're geeky about it and you go field trial and you know there's like it, everything gets subdivided and fragmented into smaller and smaller pieces until you're like you're really obsessed with this one little corner of this world and and to the exclusion of all others and um and we get these little you know political infighting and backbiting things going on with one another and this is this is everything that's not that in my opinion that's what it should be we show up and we recognize our our team is anybody that wants to go hunting with a dog you know and obviously we're upland focused on this trial you know and and there may be room in the future to add other types of events you know it'd be cool if we could make it an even bigger tent and and so um but but for now that's that's it that's the objective is to bring us all together to have fun the, the competition is in the spirit of of fun you know and that's why we're there so talk to me about what and since you know you you're the reigning judge from last year and and you're not returning to the post this year what in in Grayson's opinion? What makes a good team in the field between handler and dog? Like what what was it that would stick out to you? as like yes, I, I really like that as a teamwork perspective, or perhaps something that you didn't like. Yeah, man, that's tough. I don't I don't know that I can even come up with something I didn't like. I mean, it would be unfair. You know, obviously, you want to see dogs go out and hunt well and do well. I mean, that's a that's a you know yet yeah, there are the objective standards that must be met. Um, but when folks roll to the line and you start asking your questions, it's like the more easy it was, the more confident and fun and relaxed everybody was, the more enjoyable it was, you know? And so if you, and, and if you're nervous, that's not the end of the world. That doesn't mean I'm, you know, if you're not confident, if you're lacking confidence, my job, in, in my opinion there, I go from being as much a judge as I do to being a buddy that's trying to make you enthusiastic and, and, and make it a fun day for you. Um, but when you you know when you see a team that has done it and done it over and over again and they enjoy it and they love it you know when you you know i'm just thinking of like those folks that just obsess about bird hunting every second that they're not bird hunting and and love it every moment that they are it it shines through it's obvious you know and 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 so that's there's a there's a certain intangible quality that exists in those type of people and it doesn't have to be the most beautiful bird work in the world but somebody that loves their dog um and their dog loves them and they they've got a you know that tight bond if you will and a, and that relationship kind of takes center stage that's that to me is the most special part of this and and in other trials i judge you can see it then too Right. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, again, we're talking subjective topics here. So this is obviously going to be subjective, but it's like when people hear good teamwork in the field, you know, that that could take on a, a, a number of different things to depending on who hears those words. But, 
you know, just just from my perspective, I hear that the first thing I think of is like, you know, a, a team that goes out in the field to where the handler's not just hacking the dog twenty four seven or blowing on the whistle twenty four seven. But even that 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 can be kind of polarizing because some people part of the fun for them is really interacting with their dog for better or worse. I don't necessarily, you know, I'm not a fan of it, but like there's some old timers that still talk to this day, talk about sing to your dogs, you know, and, and it's part of the culture. And so, but that, that's kind of the beauty of this type of event to where the judge gets to stand there and whether they sing to the dogs or not, they get to see how the dog responds to them. And, and it's just like, there's a difference between hacking your dog and just a handler that likes to talk. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's, and there's room for all of that, right? It's not, you don't have to fit any specific mold stylistically in that regard. And um, I love, I sing to my dogs when I trial, you know, and I'm like the only guy at these little walking trials that's out there (laughs) doing it. I want my dogs to not be glued to me. And so I think of singing to them as just being a beacon, but I want to do it casually and I want, you know, and and it leaves room for interpretation for the judge. Hopefully the judge recognizes what I've got going there. And there's times when I communicate with my dog and I expect a response. And there's times when I communicate with my dog and I'm just saying, Hey, I'm over here. You keep doing your thing, buddy. And that's fine. I, and I love walking with a handler that is singing to their dog and it's going down like that. I also love walking with handlers that are being absolutely quiet. And I don't have a problem with handlers that are out there communicating with their dog as long as it's not frustrating to them and the dog. And But sometimes you get that moment where you have this dog that maybe their enthusiasm gets the better of them and things don't go perfect, but it's not in the moment. It's in the recovery, you know, and, and it's an opportunity for things to go a little bit, maybe not as planned or, or a little bit awry and to recover and have that kind of sheepish grin on your face and your dog come back and, and go, I'm sorry, boss, let's get back to work type thing. And that's cool too. So like, you know, you, you have the opportunity to see that and, and each judge again needs to follow the rule book or it needs to follow the grid, but those things are open to interpretation, you know, having a little moment on the course like that's not going to be the end of the world for you, you know, and, and, and just know that a, a frustrating delayed chase, get out of it. It's an opportunity to show you can. And I mean, you're, you're going to have that natural ebb and flow, the, the wave tops, you know, we talk about that in dog trainings all the time to where within the course of one run, it, it, you know, dogs and handlers alike can make up, make mistakes, but there's value in how do you respond to that? How do you recover? How do you build the dog back up? How do you, as a handler, if you make a mistake, are you just going to dwell on that the rest of the walk and, and ruin the rest of the hunt? Or are you going to get over it and just kind of get back on track? It's uh, even when you're out there hunting, you know, there's times I can think of on, on, on top of my head where each one of my dogs, I've been out there hunting and I've made a mistake and the dogs aren't, you know, giving me crap for the rest of the day. But then how many times have you been in the field with somebody where a dog makes a mistake and it's just like they hold a grudge, the handler holds a grudge against that dog until they go go back to the house. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they do that or they get frustrated and get quitty, you know, and, it's, and, and you know, this is your opportunity to put your best foot forward and to, you know, accept that things may not go perfectly and still have a good time. And I think that's, you know, that's more, is as important, if not more important than anything else. And it, it kind of brings me back to Landon's run. And I think why he won last year, you know, we were getting late in the day and we were running on chucker and, uh, and they had coveyed a whole bunch and the, and Harker goes on point, 
birds go everywhere. Landon scratches one down. And because he's such a skilled retriever and retriever trainer, you know, they got through it in a really impressive fashion. But it was like, you know, it, it was not perfect. And it wasn't that the dog work wasn't perfect. I mean, the scenario was imperfect. And, and Landon handled it with beautiful grace and Harker responded to him. But, it, you know, it was, it, it, it was hard to beat that. It was, you get, sometimes you may not be presented with an opportunity to show something special, but they certainly did in that moment, you know, and it's hard to not recognize that as a judge. And, and it goes, you know, we were talking about this a little earlier before we, before we finally hit record, like me and you do, we, we jaw jack for two hours before jaw jack and some more when it's actually recording is I'm I'm finding that the the longer I'm in this world the the more emphasis or enjoyment I find when people develop that that kind of that flow or relationship with their dog to where the dog kind of understands how the handler is going to react to something and you know, there's there's not a whole lot of hacking or jaw jacking to where they truly are a team and it's just like the handler trusts the dog the dog trusts the handler and, you know, it, it's for the, the people that can't really picture that, that I don't think that maybe they haven't even seen it yet. And it's, I think when you maybe define the rules slightly more loosely and you have those moments where you might in a field trial, knock that bird down and you're trying to, you're trying to do things mechanically correctly, you lose something. And then in those moments, in, in this trial, you know, there might be some freedom to help your dog on a retrieve and it comes off better looking than if you had just stand, stood there, kept your mouth shut and waited for everything to happen sequentially, mechanically, appropriately, the way we expect them to in a trial or a test, you know, that has something to do with it. And so there's an opportunity to go out there and freeform it a little more and not maybe not lose a bunch of points because of it. I might give you more points if you were able to, hey, 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 check it out over here. You know, chuck a rock. I don't care. Do it. You know, but if it, if it looks cool and it runs smooth, you know, that could, that could come off, you know, it's not, it's not that perfect mechanical work we're looking for, but it's an opportunity to show that you can man you can manage your way through a problem with your dog. And, and it just goes to show the, you know, in the training field and the reps and then just living with your dog from a day-to-day -day basis, you guys are going to kind of create y'all's own little language or, or shorthand, so to speak. And it may, yours may not look the same as mine and vice versa. And while some other organization or testing structure may not afford you the the leeway to kind of take advantage of that or bring it to light, this is kind of what this is set up for to where it's like, hey, it's up to you on how we get the dog work done. You know, it, 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 it's, I'm going to interpret it how I interpret it, but you can do pretty much whatever you want. You, you can paint this picture however you want. Yeah, I think, and I think that's important. That's what I want to see. I want to see you go out there and just have fun, do what you would do on a normal everyday basis. And it may, it may be more fun to watch than you coming out there and trying to get it done in a certain style that doesn't feel natural. It, it's it's interesting because some people may struggle with that freedom, so to speak, at, at least initially. They, they may not even like it at first if they try it and they're like, man, you know, I, I don't know if I can operate with, you know, this much leeway to where I, you know, some people function a little bit better with that just, you know, very clear and cut and dry, like you can do this, but not that type of thing. I don't know. And that and that's fair. I mean, it, it, it's you know, it's not to say it wouldn't be more cool, possibly, to do it mechanically correctly. You know, it's just what it's it's. Hey, what feels 
good what you know and that's at the end of the day that you only you can make you know answer that question as the handler you know and so if that means hitting a sit whistle and handling your dog in a very subtle fashion clean um to a to a blind retrieve or saying hey 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 buddy get over there in that cover you know or whatever else one's not necessarily better than the other if it feels if the if one of them feels more natural and and feels more harmonious than the other and again, there's there's one of those buzzwords, harmony, right? Just just functioning with each other, and and that comes from to to me. There's a, there's a lot of things that you can quote unquote cover up in this game with dogs, with with a lot of training and a lot of repetitions. But there's certain things such as harmony and teamwork that you you can only get by just spending time with your dog and having at least some sort of kind of respectful relationship with them it's it's going to be hard to cover that up and make it look organic yeah and it's you know be be fluid have fun you know and i think the the best guys in in whatever trial or test game they're playing have the ability to to fit in whatever the mold is required of them by that specific game and make it look effortless and some don't you know but this is this is a place you don't have to worry about that so you know if it requires effort that's fine it's but is it harmonious so february 3rd and 4th if if anybody's listening to this they want to try something different just come out have fun like you said fellowship you know come eat food come break bread come have fun you know take part of some of the the side games if if you want to uh but, you know, again, you're just trying something different down here in North Carolina. Anybody up north wanting to snowbird a little bit, get away out of that, you know, white stuff that, you know, from my understanding is called snow, uh, more than likely, get you know, feel free to come on down and check out something different. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and we may have some on the course. I don't even know. But it, you know, I think... Um, and and also come if you if you don't want to put your dog in or you don't have a dog come anyway come hang out with us you know I think it, this is an opportunity if anything more than anything is is to to build a community or to continue to help build the community we already exist in and to get to to get more friendly with one another and who knows this could be one of those cool moments or cool things that just started that in ten fifteen years people are like man this really turned into something really cool. And, and like you said, if you don't, don't even have a dog that you want to compete, come down, you know, may apply to be a judge, you know, let Grayson know you want to be a judge or come help plant birds or whatever the heck it is that you guys need. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll need stuff and we'll probably make appeals for that. So if anybody's out there, got an extra Polaris Ranger sitting in their backyard, they want to trailer <laughs> down. I'm sure those, those things always come in handy at they, trials. They do. Yeah. People that know how to plant birds that want to come out. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you can reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with whoever's going to help manage that stuff for you. But, um, you know, always, always looking for help in those, in that regard. But I, also, I think it's cool too, if you are playing games with your dog, it's a chance to meet in a place that's kind of a neutral ground, you know, so a guy that plays, Ufta um, can come out. A guy that plays Nastra and a guy that plays a field trial game can all come out here and and exist together, depending on whatever class you feel like joining up in, and and meet in neutral ground and play on a different set of rules that are less about you know the the mechanics of your specific game. And like you said earlier, this is in the heart of hunting season down here still early February. We we still have essentially a month left on depending on which bird or species or which state you want to go hunt. So if somebody up north wants to extend their season a little bit longer, get, you know, again, snowbird down here, you come down here, try, try the trial and then, you know, maybe head out into the Smoky Mountains and chase a unicorn grouse or something. Kind of really, really see what, uh, what the hunters down here have to go through to find birds down here. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know that I recommend that exactly, but I think Snipe might still be in and uh, Quail. 
So yeah, and not that those are not that quail would be much much better. Yeah, I I, I tell everybody I actually have more confidence in finding the unicorn grouse nowadays than I do the the wild covey. At least in my state, it's it's been interesting, man. We got birds here. They're not they're not easily accessible, but they're and, out there. Yeah, the last season was I heard and saw more wild coveys than I've seen in a long time. That's interesting. I mean, in Tennessee, anyway, and I can say this, I don't have to worry about hotspotting because wherever there's coveys, it's shut down for hunting. So, good luck. But the places that have birds had a pretty good season last year and in this off season, they, they've actually been doing really well, doing some good stuff. So, hopefully it's not too far off from where we actually have something of note to talk about for wild bird populations or at least hunting access on wild birds. Uh, but just throwing that out there, if somebody is, you know, wanted to come down and check something out, you know, something different, you know, there's a few opportunities still open that time of year. So, yeah, well, I enjoyed it, man. It's, uh, something different. I, I, you know, me, I'm, I'm always intrigued by different things and different opportunities. So, uh, you know, I'm planning on attending myself in, in some way, shape or form, whether that's a contestant or helper or judge or whatever, uh, I'm planning on being there, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something different and I commend you guys for just just trying something different. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. And again, it's, you know, there's there's plenty of games out there to play. I'm not sure as a country we need necessarily another game, <laughs> right. right? But but yeah, I think it's it's more about, you know, the spirit of the, you know, this one specific thing is not necessarily about the game we're playing. It's about what we're trying to accomplish otherwise. No, absolutely makes sense. And I look forward to it. And again, thanks for uh, having me over for a couple hours and, and just kind of shooting the shit again on dogs as we always do but uh enjoyed it as always it's a lot of fun dude thank you very much have you ever shot a bird that just keeps on flying and you're standing there saying i swear i hit that bird well good news maybe it might not be you but rather your shotgun go check out uplandguncompany.com and construct the perfect shotgun that is not only built to your exact physical specifications but your preferred looks as well to some people, a shotgun not only has to perform, but look good while doing it also. Upland Gun Company has made this process super convenient and surprisingly affordable when you consider all of the completely customizable features. Get your shotgun order submitted today so you're standing there with your dog saying fetch, rather than standing there still saying, I couldn't have missed that bird. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode, catching up with my buddy Grayson Geyer and going over the new St. Hubert's trial. This episode was presented by Standing Stone Supply, Onyx Hunt, DT Systems, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. You know, you hear all the time, especially down here in the in the southeast, you hear from people all the time talking about wanting to try new things or new ventures, especially with flushing dogs and uh, just looking for different alternatives or, or just something fun and new to try. And uh, this is is something that I think uh, meets that request. And and if you have any desire to try new things with your dogs and, and new challenges, if you will, uh, then by all means, consider signing up. It, you know, it's, it's, it's going to support a couple great organizations with Three Rivers Land Trust, as well as Bird Dog Society, who uh, we do a monthly update. Uh, with and and you can hear more about that if you haven't checked those episodes out then please do so uh, and you, you're going to hear a little bit more on this event as we draw near you know I feel privileged that they would even entertain asking me to uh, 
to be the judge for the, for the hunting section. Uh, you know, there, there's another judge that's going to be running up the trial, uh, piece as well, but, uh, I'm just excited to go out there and, and try something new and, and see a bunch of dog work and, and, in uh, line with, uh, the stuff that we really care about as hunters, you know, we don't require anything in terms of steadiness, uh, or, or really like churched up o- obedience, if you will. It's just really just kind of the relationship between dog and handler. So I'm kind of excited to check this out it's going to be brand new for me as well as uh you know whoever else comes but by all means if you're looking for something new then uh consider this it's, it sounds like fun so uh just check it out and uh with that being said i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and, and wrap this up pretty quick i'm actually on the road i'm i'm here on my tailgate in uh michigan trying to chase some rough grouse and, and woodcock it's uh been tough going so far we've come across quite a bit of birds uh but you know weather's impacted the hunts and and it's just been one of those if anybody's been rough grouse hunting before you kind of know the uh the trend sometimes or or the routine sometimes to where if you zigged you should have zagged and and if you went right you should have gone left it's uh no matter what we're coming across birds quinn especially is getting some very much needed bird contacts as a young pup uh but it's just i'm never in the right place at the right time which again any rough grouse hunters out there know uh there's there's obviously some knowledge and certain skills that you can develop to put yourself in the right situation or the best situation that you can but at the end of it you also kind of just need a little bit of luck and uh that's what i've been lacking so far it's it's early on you know we we've only been here for a few days but so far i just haven't had the shot opportunity on rough grouse and uh, it's through no fault of the dogs or or effort or anything like that it's just kind of how it unfolds sometimes and that's part of the reason why i like rough grouse hunting uh for what it is because it's extremely challenging and you can you can do everything right and still not even get the shot opportunity at the end and, and it drives some people mad uh i personally kind of enjoy it because it, it makes the the flushes that do go your way mean that much more so with all that being said uh if you uh enjoyed this episode or you enjoy any episode and you find any value in the information then please by all means, uh, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog yourself. It really goes a long way in helping out the pod and uh, doing new episodes and creating new content and all that stuff. So again, I appreciate everybody for hitting download and play. If you don't mind, share it with a friend and uh, we'll be back soon with another fun and exciting episode of GDIY. Appreciate it, guys. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high grade lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.